Educators want to stay fresh with literacy instruction, but are so busy with students, they don't always have the time. All year long, Choice Literacy publishes and delivers the best K-12 literacy practices so that educators can grow their students as readers and writers with choice in literacy. Welcome to the Big Fresh Choice Literacy Podcast. I'm Ruth Ayers. Why not live unbound? It was a typical day in third grade, and I was getting ready to read aloud one of my personal favorite books with the goal of not letting my students know it was my personal favorite. As I began to read Unbound, The Life and Art of Judith Scott by Joyce Scott with Bree Sprangler and Melissa Sweet, the room settled into a focused quiet. We learned about a pair of twin sisters. We learned one sister, Judith, had Down syndrome and what that meant. We learned one day Joyce woke up to find Judith gone. She was taken to a school where she would learn to talk. I read the body language of my students and saw puzzled faces trying to process Judith being sent away. We continued to read and students' faces showed joy as they learned later in life, Judith returned to live with her sister and her family. Students were curious about the Creative Growth Art Studio where Judith attended and became a fiber artist. Judith created bright mixed media pieces. We extended our time with the book by looking at the back matter and allowing the story to sink into our bones. Silence filled our room as we finished the book. The silence held reverence and puzzlement, and I let our community sit in this moment. Breaking the silence, a student said, I wish we could make something like she did. I looked at the clock. I thought about our day ahead. Life in third grade is always pressing. I took a moment and asked myself, why not? Why not lean into this student-generated idea to make something in response to the big feelings evoked from reading Unbound? I decided student choice and student voice would guide our next steps. We cleared our carpet space. I emptied out my closets with a variety of mixed media supplies. A support teacher ran to her space returning with recycled materials to add to our supplies. The invitation to create was wide open and students began forming sculptures. Excitement, engagement, and joy filled our room as students unbound their hearts through art. There was no reason to rush or interrupt this moment. Instead, we took photographs of their art with the intent to create postcards. After all, why not? Unbound from the shoulds and have-tos of a typical third grade day allowed for important and memorable work to happen in our classroom. Perhaps you would like to live in an unbound moment too. An excellent place to begin is by reading Unbound, The Life and Art of Judith Scott. In fact, consider this your official invitation to read along with the Choice Literacy Book Club since Unbound is my pick for the February read. This week, we share part two of offering feedback to writers. This is not a new topic and yet the content is fresh. 
It's because our contributors spend a lot of time in classrooms and schools. They stand among students who are learning and growing as writers, and they appreciate the beauty of the process. I'm sure you will find practical ideas to use to uplift your feedback to students and energize them as writers, plus more, as always. Happy reading, Mandy Robeck. Mandy, I so enjoyed reading your Big Fresh lead for this week. Uh, it sort of put me in the classroom with you. And I just love that moment when you have a great read aloud that the kids really respond to and it energizes the room. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened in your classroom when you read our February book club book, Unbound, The Life and Art of Judith Scott. Thank you, Kathy. It really was a joyful moment. I knew I loved the book, but when I read it with the kids, it just brought a whole different meaning and experience for me as a reader. And then their engagement and their need to process the book and become an art, you know, become Judith Scott themselves was, it just felt magical. Well, and I love that thinking of just those moments where that energy is just right. And we just sometimes have to follow the kids and go with them to where they're going. And I thought it was such a great lead to this week's curated collection, because this was a lot about workshop and about having those moments where kids take the lead. But what I really loved about the collection that was put together for this week is it really focused on that intention. So often we think of reading and writing workshop as being unstructured, but actually it's so much more than that. And it really takes a special art to give kids that opportunity, but keep that intention that will keep them growing as learners. I, I agree too, Kathy. The one thing that I thought showed up several times in the different articles that we're sharing was listening in, you know, like listening to what the kids are saying processing it and then taking some moves after that. You're so right. I think that piece really came through across articles in the free for all section, the article by Dana Murphy with conferring notes. I loved reading this and Mandy, I know you had to enjoy this too. I mean, it starts out with a grocery list, right? And how she keeps her grocery list. But then she talks about trying to find that best way to keep notes in her classroom as she is listening in and how really the best way to do that is to find a way that works for you. And I know you and I have had countless conversations trying to figure out the best way to keep (laughs) notes when we're listening in. And I think Dana really captured that. Right. I loved how she said it's a blend of things, right? It was like her grocery list is a blend of different sources and just how in the classroom what might work in that moment in that time. But I thought a key quote from her was that conference notes across time help us remember and see patterns. You know, so it was nudging us to look more at the potential of the information we gather, not so much about how we gather. And I know myself personally can get bogged down on just the just right form or the just right framework. Um, 
in a blank paper, it can work. Yeah, I think I picked up on that as well. And I really appreciated that she talked about once you kind of learn your structure for your conversations, it can help you to keep those notes. And that looking across time really gets us back to that intention, that knowing where our readers and our writers need to go and where our community is going as well. Mm -hmm. I did think she had a nudge and a challenge for teachers is, and I've never tried this. I almost like cringed a little bit was to just listening in and not take any notes until you're completely, you know, until you're done with that conversation. Yeah. And Ruth talked a little bit about this too. In the next article, the art of listening and writing conferences with English language learners with Ruth Shigori Mm -hmm. and Andy Cunningham. She talked about this too. She talked about some ways for mastering that art of listening. And she had several great ideas there that I enjoyed reading through, but it's funny, Mandy, the one of the ones that caught my attention was just that pulling up a chair and watch as a child writes or reads, which is that same kind of thing, just being present with them and following what they're doing instead of kind of jumping in and taking over. Kathy, that's exactly the same one I wrote down to talk about this, like as I was taking notes and, you know, it goes back to that, that kid watching that Donald Graves urged everyone to do. But when I reflected upon that point in their article, I thought, you know, just watching and watching a child read and write is that is a quiet way to support people to support them. And I think sometimes it's, it's a safe presence and that's okay for them just to, to feel you there, right? And then with time, the comfort can increase or at another time, then you've established, you know, a connection that can foster some communication more um, to nudge their work that they're doing. Yeah, I thought it was also helpful when they said to avoid the yes and no questions, right? Yeah, I thought so too, because I I think it's so easy to try to make a child comfortable by asking simple questions like that. But I thought that was a good reminder that that might not be the way to get the most information from children as they're working in the classroom. Another point from their article was what I would call typically wait time. And they phrased it as respect the silence. It really is a comfortable feeling to just think it's okay to sit there and hold that space for a child and let them get comfortable in what they're doing and in learning alongside you and building that partnership. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've had a chance, Mandy, to look at some of the courses that are available for members on Choice Literacy's website. Um, I certainly love digging into them and right along that holding space, the current course that's featured Better Student Feedback with Ruth Ayers Mm -hmm. is just a bunch of curated content. Um, And I shouldn't say just because there's a lot of really good content there. One of the things that struck me um, in that course was that peer-to-peer feedback, because so often we think of our time sitting beside students, right, and, and learning alongside them. But peers can really provide great feedback to one another and sometimes really give those nudges in a way that as teachers, we can't. And there's a whole section in there about building that peer-to-peer feedback that um, I really enjoyed spending some time in. 
Oh, thanks for that tip. I haven't had a chance to dive in and, and look at that. That's always on my um, list because I know there's tons of valuable information in there. And I, I've touched a little bit on that peer-to-peer -peer, uh, feedback and just the energy that kids had about having a special meeting place in the classroom and sharing their story and getting feedback back. It was just, it was fun to do kid watching from afar to see the energy writers could get from that situation. There's something kind of magical about a community, isn't there, Mandy, like in reading and writing and the way the kids sort of feed off one another and build that energy. And I thought in the member content this week, there were a lot of interesting articles that spoke just to that. Um, Matt Renwick has an article about the status of the class for readers and writers. And he just really talks about how much can be learned um, about individuals by just checking in and kind of seeing what are you doing today as a reader or as a writer? And then also what can be learned about your community as well? Yes, I really enjoyed uh, Matt's article. It, I thought one of the ideas that he shared was that accountability does not have to be a bad thing. And I love the photograph that shared with that article because I've done status of the class for reading pretty regularly. And um, this teacher had posted it right up on the board for everyone to see. And I thought, not only is that like, like, like a visual accountability, but what a great way for kids to remember back if they forgot what, a peer, what book a peer was reading and they might've been interested in it. Yeah, he talked a lot about um, the way that accountability is really just building commitment with kids building commitment to the reading and the writing process. And it was funny, it paralleled so nicely with your article this um, week that also talked a little bit about that status of the class and how just making that small change really changed your community. Maybe you'd like to talk a little bit about that one. Yeah, that status of the class piece and changing the um, community, I had felt a time crunch recently and hadn't um, had done it irregularly in my classroom. And we just went back to doing it daily, a really quick check-in. And it's so interesting how the conversation, what the conversations can, how it can foster conversations, even after you do a status of the class between peers, or you notice a lot of connections between their um, self-selection. And I feel like it boosts Book, book a reader identity and actually their book shopping experiences in the classroom. There's a tremendous amount of ownership in sharing where you are and having your friends around you hear what you're working on and kind of hold you accountable. I know there's nothing like for me when I'm trying to do some kind of reading or writing or maybe even a little exercise um, that having some peers to kind of share where I am in the process holds me a little more accountable. And I've seen status of the class done in a lot of different classrooms, Mandy. And I've seen it, um, I've seen teachers keep track of it in a lot of different ways. I've seen, you know, where there's a quick check-in with kids as a community and it's written down. I've seen it on uh, dry erase boards. I've seen it in magnets. I've seen it in Google Docs. But I think what 
the beauty of it always is, is kids sharing with one another. And what I loved in your article, you also kind of share with us some of the things you say in response. So it's not just kids giving you, I'm, I'm reading this, I'm doing this today, but some of the ways that you nudge kids with your language in the feedback that you give them. Yeah, that was really interesting when I went to, to write the article and think about my interactions within that status of the class circle. And I realized a lot of it was just a quick compliment, um, know, knowing what kids had been reading before or their reading behaviors. And you could compliment uh, trying a new author and a new character or no, noticing examples notice examples, I called them, but I see you're trying a new genre or you're reading another book in the series. Uh, but that was always a great opportunity to nudge uh, students that, wow, you've been reading six or seven books in this series. And if you like this one, then you might like another series or if you like humorous books. Um, and then sometimes just telling, you know, you've read so much realistic fiction. Can I help you find another genre that you might really want to try? And then just some questioning examples. And I think that helps the most when it would become who I needed to confer with that day. If someone was book shopping, I always wanted to try to interact with them and become that book matcher in the moment, uh, talking to them about what they were looking for and finding their next book. I'm sure that status of the class really does help you think through those conferring conversations that are to come and help you to kind of know what you're going to be seeing when you sit beside a child or where that child's intent is when they walk off to get started. And I thought that um, Ruth Metcalf's article, Making Feedback Visible for Young Writers, speaks to this ownership for kids. She really goes through the ways that she helps make um, the goals that kids set for themselves visible so that they can keep them with them and that every child is doing what makes sense for them as learners, as they take on some of those nudges that they've been given um, by their peers, by their teacher, but in that learning community, often by themselves, I think too. But this had some great uh, (laughs) pictures of some of the ways that she makes that visible. Yeah, and I, when I was looking at her visuals, I was, I was, I was all in hook, line, and, and sinker there because visuals can summarize a lot of words easily. And even the one phrase that she used, uh, say and slide, I just wanted to, did you see that, hear that in my voice, Kathy? I just wanted, I got a little jingle with that to go with it. <laughs> I thought there was a little like move dance move there chair move to go with it um but I could easily see myself some of the um cards she said but I thought how could I lift that up into my third grade classroom now and I could see like if I was wanted to help a student with a lead into a piece of writing that you could draw three quick sketches of like action setting or emotion or just make a quick list you know that remember and refer back to maybe a mentor text we had read but this might be a good way to open up your writing or how to, you know, end or, or wrap up your piece. Yeah, I thought, you know, it would also help me as a teacher while it's helping the child to remember what it is they're trying to do as a, a reader or a writer that's new to them. It also would help me as I sit down beside that child 
to remember kind of where our conversation might need to be. And then the way she talks about keeping those across time really shows the path that kids have been down across the school year. So much potential there for really empowering readers and writers in our classrooms with that article. Well, did you notice that uh, Christy Rush Levine also has a course up? I did see Christy's course and I just, I love to just listen to Christy talk, to watch her work alongside kids and um, this meaningful reading conferences just seemed like a nice compliment to the content this week. And I really um, took note of that section in the course. There are five, six different sections in the course. I'll make that seven um, different sections in the course. But I really took note of the supporting student ownership because I feel like this is the time of year, Mandy, where I really feel like my kids are ready to own all Mm -hmm. of their learning. And sometimes I have to remind myself of that. And I thought this was just a great place in this course to dig in. I really need to pursue these courses um, because there's nuggets that I think even if Christy being a middle school teacher that I can pull something out and bring into my third grade classroom, you know. Um, I actually thought about you with Heather Fisher's article and figure, and um, I want to urge everyone to go download her list of useful quotes. I thought that was a nice way to just connect personally and encourage people while they're doing the hard work of teaching. She always uh, brings such a great lens and such an energy, I feel like, to the work that she does. It just makes me want to partner with her and work alongside her as a coach. (laughs) And in the leader's lounge, just this little section of typical scenarios, uh, you know how it is in the classroom where you sometimes just need somebody to come in and help you build that energy back up for yourself and for your students. And she talks about some of those things that we kind of get up against across the year. And as a coach, how we can use Mm -hmm. quotes to, to provide that positive energy. And I felt like it was just such a great way to shine a light on the work that was being done in a school community and lift the people that you're working beside. Yeah, I used, as I read that, I even, I found one or two that just made me feel better about what, what's ever going on in my, you know, where we are right now in my own community. I was like, oh, and I think putting it into a quote setting kind of takes away all that personal overthinking that we can do or worries about students and what they're doing and can't do. And then all the things we can't control right now. It's right. It's, it's uplifting and out of context and just helpful. Yeah. It's funny how sometimes just a little quote can give you that just rereading it and reseeing it can give you that little nudge that gets you back Mm -hmm. on track and provide some good energy. So Kathy, did you take, I hope you took the moment to watch Mary Brower's coaching minute video this week, where she shares an idea of giving the gift of time to teachers. And when I saw the title of this, I thought, oh, how does that work? And then watching Mary, I just wanted to send her an SOS and come to my classroom tomorrow because it was, it was so thoughtful. A lot of times people will come and help you in your classroom because you've got to go to a meeting or you're covering, you know, 
another meeting out of your planning time or something. And this was all about, I'm going to take your students and read them a book. And I want you to go to my space and, and have a cup of tea or coffee or a hot cocoa. And then I want you to just reflect on something positive. Like there, it was just that moment of, I kind of feel like this when the, the students go to lunch, like midway through the day, I just need a moment of to breathe and let the day sink in and just find some quiet moments so that I can handle the hustle and bustle that goes on later in the day. I thought there was a lot of potential. I think as a, as a coach, you know, you're really trying to find ways to open the door to spend time in classrooms. And I do think this gives you that opportunity to give that teacher a little bit of time, but also to get to know the students in the classroom a little bit. And I think that helps when you go back in to work alongside alongside that teacher and that learning community. So, well, I, and then Stella's article. Yes, I feel like all of these articles have really been about that listening and sitting side by side. And we talked a little bit at the beginning, Mandy, about how intentional all this is. And Stella does such a great job with everything I need to know about teaching children. I learned through conferring and really, um, she just says the most important part of everything she does is sitting beside the kids and conferring and listening. And what I loved about this article is you kind of see it from two sides. I can read it as a coach and think about how important it is to uh, work alongside a teacher and follow their lead and work through a process. But as a teacher, I think I can also see the power in partnership. And so I really enjoyed reading this and all that Stella has learned just through conferring. And I really enjoyed how she took us back to like the beginning of her career. You know, when she said she had a mentor herself who took her under her wing and showed her the power of conferring. And not only does she talk about conferring to get to know her students as learners, whether it's reading or it's writing, but what her one of her key senses I felt was conferring has nudged me to get to know all the pieces of my students' identity. Yeah, I think at one point she even just talks about their humanity. And I just think Stella is always reminding us of the hearts of those children that sit beside us and the strong practices that help us to help them become their best. Well, they already are their best versions of themselves, but continue to grow in that, in that version. Yeah, and she quotes Cornelius Minor towards the end of the article. And I just loved this thinking or that permission that this idea gave me, but that seeking understanding, by asking questions, we're seeking understanding and that understanding understanding my kids completely can help me bend the curriculum, right? If we know a student's interest or a student's family makeup, their culture, and you, you come across something in the curriculum, you need to bend it to foster engagement a little bit, maybe to take a side road trip for a passion of a student or have that student share something that is relevant to their family and their culture and can broaden all of our horizons. 
Yeah, she really talks about how that deep knowing of a child that sits beside us really helps us to build those bridges and Mm -hmm. uh, such an important part. And I, she boldly states right at the end, which I had to chuckle a little, everything I need to know about teaching children, I learned through conferring. And there's such truth to that. I think that I've learned so much from the students I've sat beside, but learned so much about building my practice and helping kids to continue to grow and refining the work we do through those conversations that are such a part of everything we do. Yes. Well, this has just been a fabulous addition, I feel like, for the Choice Literacy Weekly Newsletter. What do you think, Kathy? I think absolutely. Now, Mandy, I have to know, you know, we're talking about the book Unbound. Have you shared your shelfie yet? I have not, but I saw your post today. So that is coming up either tonight or first thing tomorrow morning. I would love to put this book in every teacher's hands. I just think everyone needs to read it. And you can't replicate the experience I had with my readers, but I I know that it's going to tug at heart at hearts. And I can't wait for our conversation. I can't give too much away, but there is just one page in this book that I just am hungry to find out everybody's reaction to. I cannot wait until we talk about this as a group. And I'm looking forward to hearing from our Choice Literacy community on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using the hashtag Choice Literacy Book Club. I'm hoping that we'll hear from a lot of different people and the impact the book is having when they read it with their students and in their classrooms. Well, Kathy, I just wanted to remind everyone too that um, uh, anyone can contribute and be be part of the uh, discussion through our asynchronous uh, Padlet option that there's a couple of questions up there and you can go ahead and leave 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 a comment and then other people within the book club community could respond back and we'll look at that for feedback within our contributor discussion that turns into a podcast for everybody. Yes, I think going to the Choice Literacy site and joining the book club is the best way to make sure that you're getting the communication and can easily find all those places that will help you. I am looking forward to talking about this book. And Mandy, I'm looking forward to all that you're sharing with us this month as Choice Literacy's featured contributor. And I have certainly enjoyed talking to you on this wonderful evening. Well, thank you, Kathy. It has been an honor to have my work highlighted this month and have some opportunities to engage more with our choice literacy community. And I always appreciate our conversation. So thank you for doing this with me tonight. At Choice Literacy, we know that you want to be an educator who makes students' lives better through literacy. In order to do that, you need access to comprehensive literacy practices delivered in a way you will actually use. With over 150 in-the-field contributors, we understand the pressure to reach a variety of needs and not enough time to do it, which is why we hold true to workshop tenets like choice and share practical ways to plan and deliver literacy instruction straight to the point of student need. You can find links to all of the articles discussed in the show notes or sign up for the Big Fresh so you can have the links delivered directly to your inbox. 
keep growing readers and writers by offering choice in literacy.